Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speechwriter and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. U-turn friends, I know that there's so many of us in the wake of the pandemic and even well before it that suffer from burnout. And it's not just the kind of burnout where we feel like we are not inspired. Um, It's deeper. Sometimes it's that our bodies are stuck in this dysregulated response to the world around us. And I was creeping on Instagram And I found the burnout professor, a.k.a. Erica Cooney. She's an LMFT, a speaker all over the world. And today I want to talk to her about what can you do to get your nervous system regulated so that you're not burning yourself out on things that aren't actually deserving your burnout. Like there's so many things in our life that if we related to them differently, if our body regulated around them, we wouldn't have the same feelings of stress. So today we're going to have a conversation about how can you relate differently? Because there's anything I learned in graduate school for psychology, how you relate to the issue is the issue. So hello, Erica. Thank you for coming on. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with everyone today. I know I was I was checking you out and I was like, wow, how have I not found you before? So can you tell me a little bit about what got you into this particular focus around like being stuck in a trauma response and helping people come out of burnout? And I love that you're called the burnout professor. That's so fun. Thank you. Um, so ultimately it starts in 2014 when I was driving to work. You know, I had a 45 minute commute. And as I was driving, I was realizing I couldn't dig deep like I normally could and say, okay, let's just dig a little bit, find that motivation to get to work to do what I have to do. Right. I kept thinking about everything that went wrong at home in the morning. You know, I got into an argument with my significant other. Then I was thinking about everything that was like piling up in the corner, especially like my laundry. I was thinking about everything I had to do when I got to work. You know, I was just. The more I thought, the more tired I got. And I knew I was in trouble because at this point, I already had a cup of coffee with a couple of shots of espresso. So Mm -hmm. I was like, and I can't get there. So as I was driving, I was thinking, you know what? What happens if I were just to call in and say, I can't come in today? But then the more I was thinking about it, I was like, I probably should say something like I got into a little fender bender. Mm -hmm. A couple of moments later, I was hit by a Mack dump truck, literally, as I was driving to work. I was in the hospital for a week. Um, I had emergency surgery that day. I had a three-month recovery period. And then the next 18 to 24 months, my entire life as I knew it fell apart. And so it was every area. You know, I got fired from my job. I wasn't someone to get fired. I was always one to be promoted. My relationship that I was in for a long period of time ended dramatically, dramatically, however you want to say it. You know, and then I had to move back home with my parents in my mid 30s with my pit bull. And so I'm sitting on the floor crying, saying, What the heck am I missing here? I'm a therapist. You know, like I'm trained to help other people figure their stuff out. You know, I already went to traditional talk therapy before I even became a therapist. So I was like, I already analyzed everything. I'm like, What the heck am I missing here? Where did I miss the signs? Right. And so 
slowly but surely, I went to the quote unquote woo-woo side, but what we now know, it's no longer woo-woo and it's more nervous system regulation. And everything that I learned, I did it for myself first. And then I embarked and went and got all these certifications and training so that I can go ahead and share the news with everybody because we don't need to talk everything out. A lot of the time, it's more about how to regulate our nervous systems and then reframe things in our minds. But we don't have to talk everything out. You know, I usually say move over, Freud. It's a new era. Mm, I love this so much. Okay. So first of all, I can't believe what happened to you by getting hit by a dump truck. Um, Do you have any weird thoughts about the fact that you were thinking about that and then it happened? I feel like there's so much around that. Like what comes up for you with that? So when I usually go and give my talks, right, in public speak, I normally say, you know, folks, this is where you have to be careful. Your thoughts become things, right? And so that's usually my thought process is we are powerful human beings and our brains are powerful. And sometimes we have a sixth sense about things and then other times we can call it in. So if we're not careful, our thoughts become things. Yeah, 100%. Um, And Okay, so one of the things that really strikes me about life, and I think it's relating to your work, is how much stress we can feel around things that like don't really feel like they deserve our stress. Like, and some of that's mental health related, right? Like, I've been a pretty joyful person. I don't really suffer from depression, but I definitely suffer from anxiety and I've worked on it for years. Um, and there's some moments where I look at my day the next day and it feels like, oh, I totally got this. Like, and it's a lot of stuff, right? And then there's other times where I look at it and I'm like, whoa, this feels like a tidal wave and it's coming to get me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like in those moments, it's so hard to rewire my mind because it feels how it feels. So mm-hmm. I feel like for somebody listening right now, where they're just feeling like, where the heck do we even begin? You know, um, what would be your feedback? So I originally for my journey, it was my breath. Mm -hmm. And what I learned now is more as I learned how to connect. I learned about self-connection and how to connect within. I learned about co-regulation and connecting with somebody else or another um, human being, or I, I should say a pet, you know, for me, it was my dog. Right. And so connection, what I would say to that is breath work, like Mm -hmm. a Wim Hof method breath work, Um, What I don't recommend is meditation. When you were in that overwhelmed state where you're like, I can't do this, this is something different. If you were to meditate at this point, you would actually cause or further along that feeling, so to speak. It would have the opposite effect, I think, of what you're looking for. And Mm -hmm. so what you're looking for is connection when you are in that overwhelmed state. This episode is brought to you in part by Joy. Joy is a place where women can find incredible answers, own their health journey, and really start to feel like themselves again. You are totally unique, and so is your health. So you should really have a health plan that's unique to you. One size does not fit all when it comes to your overall well-being, and that's why I love Joy, spelled J-O-I, so much. Joy offers very comprehensive labs, unlike anything I would typically get at my doctor's appointments, consultations, and very actionable solutions to create change in your health based on your metrics and your labs. And it's all in one place. 
Joy's gonna measure your individual biomarkers and get the most accurate picture of your health and create a personalized plan where you have access to one-on-one -on -one consultants with board-certified clinicians and follow-ups with lifestyle coaches. This truly is a proactive healthcare designed to help you feel, function, and really look your best. So if you're looking to take more ownership over your health and really feel better, get more life force energy, Joy is offering us 20% off your labs. So head on over to choosejoy.co slash U-turn and browse their curated section of comprehensive labs. That's choosejoy.co slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to get that 20% off your labs. Choose Joy because you got to feel like you again, my friends. Yeah, I, I feel like that's so poignant that you're basically saying don't meditate, instead do breath work. I feel like a lot of people listening, maybe they haven't done breath work. I'm really good friends with Sam Skelly. She's been on the podcast a couple of times over at Pause Breath Work. Um, here's what I freaking hate about breath work. And it is really powerful, but I feel like I'm hyperventilating. And as someone who has had anxiety and has struggled Ooh. from hyperventilating, it feels like it's asking me to do something that I've had to work my body down from. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like any feedback on the different modalities, whether it's therapy, meditation, yoga, I don't even know, talking Reiki, like any modalities, can you give us some insight on when you think which one is beneficial? Cause I think a lot of people right now are feeling dysregulated and, and, and for those listening, can you even explain what does it look like to be dysregulated? Yes. So I think before we go further, let me explain the nervous system a little bit more, because I think once we can have that foundation, we can dive in deeper. And um, I want to also say thank you for sharing more about your story, because I think um, it's very important um, if you do have a history of panic attacks, if you do have a history, right? It's I need to point this out. Everything that I am saying today is just educational purposes. I am not your therapist by any stretch of the imagination. You still need to go talk to a professional. I am just planting seeds and hopefully expanding your mind about other avenues you can explore if you found things haven't been working for you as of yet. So first things first with the nervous system. If you think of it in a tier system, mm -hmm. every single human being has the same nervous system. It's all designed the same way. It's structured the same way. The top tier is what we call rest and digest. I'm going to use plain language. I'm not going yeah. to use the technical terms. And then in the second part is where your fight or, um, fight or flight is. And then the bottom one is the freeze response, or you can also call it the trauma response. So when you're in fight or flight, this is where we usually see our anxious symptoms pop up, right? And our ADHD symptoms pop up, the inability to focus. We're either looking to um, be going full steam ahead towards the problem, or we're looking to run away from the problem and avoid the problem. When we get into the freeze response, that's what's telling us that our brain somehow realized that, okay, we got a stressor here. We're sending energy down into our bodies. And that energy is overwhelming to us. Just like how you said, whoa, this feels like a tidal wave. Yeah. So when I heard that, that told me you went more into the freeze response, mm. right? And it was overwhelming versus you being in that fight or flight response. Mm. That's how I heard it, mm. right? Because if you have anxious feelings to begin with or anxiousness, anxiousness is usually rapid heart rates, shallow breathing. You're not able to take a deep breath all the way down and feels like even if you're breathing, you're still not getting a deep enough breath. Your eyes get dilated, right? And you get into a super focus mode 
per se, right? And we're like, we're either thinking of ways to protect ourselves at this point. And what I mean by that is when we're in rest or digest, that top tier, we're looking for connection. We're looking for connection within ourselves. We're looking for connection with others. We're creative. We see the bigger picture, right? And things, we just have good energy about us. We're in that fight or flight part. We're no longer looking for that connection. This is survival mode. We're looking to how do we protect ourselves? So everything that we do is through that lens, protection. It's no longer connection. And then when you go to that bottom level and you're in that part where, okay, I'm in overwhelm, you're shutting down. You are literally just on automatic pilot going through the motions. You want to dig your head in the sand throw the covers over your head. And this is more where the depression symptoms can pop up as well. Okay. So I know that we are living in a world where like a, in the wake of the pandemic, like the divorce rate went up, suicide rate went up. Um, I think that it would be safe to say that it's hard to be with ourselves. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think the pandemic just forced so many people to have to be at home with themselves and not distract themselves with different activities And um, could you give a little insight maybe for someone who's listening right now to say, well, yeah, I'm stressed because I think a lot of people listening, they're like, yeah, I feel stressed. I have a lot going on. And I know that the research shows that a little bit of chronic, uh, a little bit of stress in spurts is great. Chronic stress, not so great. So um, what are some giveaways that maybe they are more dysregulated than they realize? Like you talked about the hyperventilating being more anxiety versus like the feeling of the tidal wave, which could be maybe more depression. Um, Yeah. And also like, I don't know if this is something you talk about because you're not a doctor, but just medication. Like I went on anti-anxiety medication for the first time in my life three years ago in the middle of a breakup. I'd worked on my anxiety my whole life and I was in such a good place with it. And then in the wake of the breakup, it just caused some hyperventilating and this is what I want to ask you about is mentally, I felt great. Like mentally, if you asked me how my thoughts were doing, I'd be like, I'm so Zen. I'm so chill about this. Like I'm a Buddha, but my body was hyperventilating. So it was almost like they were on two different channels on a, on the same TV station. So can you explain this, um, these indicators that maybe you're not as regulated as you think, or even just any insight on what was going on there? So how I'm hearing that scenario, once again, is the mind and body disconnect. Yeah. Right. And so that mind body disconnect is huge. That is your signifier that you are in a dysregulated state. You know, um, a lot of the time we can live in our heads. I was somebody who lived in my head. I can rationalize everything. I made, It's what made me a great therapist. It's also what made me a great crisis therapist, because the more chaotic it was, the more I could go in, take chaos put it into everything that was going smoothly. You wanted me around when it was chaos because I could make everybody feel comfortable and bring everything down, but at the expense of me. Because afterwards, you know, you would ask me how I was doing. I'd be like, I'm fine. I only knew two modes, fine, or I was angry or stressed out of some sort, right? I thought stress was normal. I thought we were supposed to be chronically stressed. I didn't realize there was another way of living. And so I think a lot of us, we're brought up, we have to go to our childhood. Sorry, everyone that's listening. Your childhood does impact how we see the world. Our childhood does impact how we regulate and see and deal with stress. So if you were taught 
to handle stress in a chaotic way, you're going to bring that with you, right? So if your role models were people that were not able to handle stress in healthy ways either, guess what? Where's your role model to know how to do it in a regulated way? You have to wait until you become an adult and you learn, oh, not this way. There's other ways to do this. Right. And so there's another component to this that I don't think that gets talked about often enough. I'm starting to see that more research is happening, which is great about this, but it's pre-verbal trauma. You know, we don't talk about that enough and epigenetics. And what this all means is when you are in your mother's womb, how she handled stress is being passed down to you. How your grandmother handled stress is being passed down to you. So we don't realize that, right? And so if you had a mother who was in a highly stressed situation through no fault of her own, right? Let's not, this is not about blame. This is just about data. You're going to form a stress response. You're going to come out with a stressed response already. And so, and then life continues to happen. We can only handle so much stress before it tips us over into that burnout response or that trauma response that I was talking about earlier, that freeze response, that automatic pilot. So the more you let that stress pile up over time without actually dealing with it or learning how to process it, there's, this is why a lot of us are burning out all of a sudden, right? Because the pandemic was this huge stressor. Right. It highlighted a lot of stuff. And a lot of us were not ready to be by ourselves. We were not ready to not have distractions. We didn't in therapy. We take time before we get someone to sit still. Right. We don't want someone to sit still if they're not used to sitting still. That didn't happen with the pandemic. We were forced to do that. So if you can learn how to work through the nervous system in the sense of connection. So let's go back to how I was talking in the beginning when you said you know, what is something that we can do? And I said, one option was breath work. Another option is yoga. Mm-hmm. Another option is learning how to co-regulate in a community with like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. For me, what I did um, is I joined a meditation class, even though it was one of the most painful things I've ever done in my life when I sat for the first time to meditate. It felt like my skin was crawling and my brain wouldn't shut up. But what I did do was I found community there. So and community is huge. I can't say that enough. Community is big. If you can find people to connect with, if you're hearing me loud and clear, there's a theme here, connection. Mm -hmm. How can you connect to self? How can you connect to others? And when you have that mind-body disconnect, therapies like IFS, internal family systems, is a way to help bring that integration back into place. You know, somatic experiencing is another way to bring integration back into place. Um, EMDR is another option. There's so many options. TREs out there. So looking for a trauma-informed nervous system-based modality is key. I love that. And EMDR, for those of you who are not aware of it, I've tried it before. And I mean, there's so many different things. Also, have you heard of rapid resolution therapy? That's been really taking the stage. Um, I met the founder out here or the creator in Palm Beach. Um, his name's John Connolly. And it's interesting. His argument is different. Like in a lot of trauma healing, it's about going back in time and like really yeah. processing the memory. Um, but in his work, it's about don't go back in time to the point where you re-traumatize yourself Correct. from right. the 
military. So I love his work. And he's been doing a lot of work with 9-11 responders who are still traumatized, rape victims. And he's able to clear trauma in as fast as like 20 to 30 minutes in a session Mm -hmm. because sometimes things are so stuck in our brain. So it's been really useful. And I've been exposed to rapid resolution therapy and EMDR um, the eye movement work with therapists is so unique and in inter- internal family systems. So anybody listening, I recommend you write these modalities down. So if you were to go to my website, you will be able to find free mental health resources. And I have the national databases for um, IFS, EMDR, somatic experiencing, and a couple other um nervous system, trauma-informed modalities. And it's free. There's no gimmick. You don't have to enter your email address in and you can access all these databases with all these therapists that are in your area. And you can also find out what insurance they accept as well. That's so useful. And I feel like um, it's so wonderful to see us enter an era where people are so receptive to going to therapy. I feel like growing up, um, I don't know. I feel like there was a stigma growing up, like something's wrong with you if you go. And I think because of that, I always craved going more. Like, um, but I want to go back to this idea of fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Can we talk a little bit more about what's really going on in each of those responses and what the root might be behind those choices? Because um, I know that a lot of people are stuck in like constant fight, constant flight, constant freeze, constant fawn. For example, my mom, she fawns. So like one of my biggest gripes and healings with my mom has been when we have family conflicts, she totally glazes over. And um, to me, I guess that would be fawning. Like people pleasing or just not really stepping up, speaking up. And I think as a kid, that made me feel like nobody was showing up for me. Like there were issues where it was like, mom, don't fawn, like say something. Right. Um. So yeah, can you maybe help people listening realize what is their default um, and maybe some insight on what that might mean about their nervous system or about their their mindset. So if your default is to be that glazed overlook, right, that is the freeze response to me. I mean, there is fawn response, freeze response. And so what that's telling me is that your mother has been in a stressed state for such a long period of time that her natural default seems to probably be a stress state and then add another stressor and it tips her over. And if it's a trigger and it's something that she hasn't been able to heal through, right? So being raised in a family where you were taught the only way that you receive love, recognition, or acceptance is through doing what the caregivers want you to do. And then the minute you don't do that, the love is taken away. As a child, you're going to do whatever you can to get that love. And so you form these default ways of interacting, which is also correlates with your nervous system Mm -hmm. because you're stressed out and you're not getting that unconditional support. You're constantly looking, how do I protect myself so I survive? How do Mm -hmm. I survive in this environment? Mm -hmm. And it's very different for each person. Many different things can impact it in what makes it one way versus another way. But ultimately, it usually comes down to how was our primary caregivers attuned or not attuned to us? That's what influences us. I I know that also, um, I don't know, like one thing that comes up is just when I look at the population, I'm like, how many people are actually regulated? Like, you know, because there's a lot of people who are on the outside, they look so organized. But I know from my 
private practice. And even now, like I've been writing TED Talks and booking people on stage for them for the past year and hearing their stories, hearing Mm -hmm. people who are highly successful and having to explore their stories to turn it into a 12 to 19 minute talk with them. Right. It's been so interesting for me because I'm hearing so much about their dark sides, about the moments where things didn't work for them. And I feel like it's so easy for us to think like other people have it together. Do you have a thought or or just a breakdown in your head of like, how much of the population would we say might be regulated? Because I know that addiction is at like what, like around 40, 30%. Um, I don't want to butcher the statistic, but do you have any thoughts on the research on that or the any insights on that? I tend to think, you know, um, it depends where on where you live in the world, first of all, right? And what's the motivating factors. And so you can kind of then start going into America and we can start thinking about what are our values? Where do we value, right? If we're valuing more material things, right, that puts us into this situation where we have to look at how am I showing up for the world? Am I able to really take time for me? No, because I have to keep pushing and keep hustling and keep doing what I need to do. That causes dysregulated nervous systems. So, you know, Brene Brown, when her with her TED Talk, right, on vulnerability and shame, you know, you ask what the women have to do in order to feel like they can fit in. She'll tell you that, you know, it's they have to look like they're put together all the time. That's shame when we feel like we have to put on this show and wear a mask. We don't feel like we can be authentically ourselves, you know, and men feel like they have to be um, the providers. They have to have a career. So it's I don't have statistics off the top of my head and numbers. But what I can tell you is that I know that we were probably struggling before the pandemic. Yeah. After the pandemic, it's either somebody had a bad experience with it or it was traumatic for them. Yeah. I actually, I looked up the stat and it's around 20% of the U.S. population suffer from some sort of alcohol abuse or addiction. Mm -hmm. And those are just the addictions that are classified as addictions, right? There's other things that are kind of like more sneaky, like sugar or, you know, things that we're doing that aren't necessarily helping ourselves, um, which, you know, some of them are low hanging fruit, but Speaking of low-hanging fruit, I was looking at your Instagram and you wrote about some kind of simple ways to kind of get back online or to be kind to yourself and regulate. Um, And one of the ways you'd mentioned was taking a walk. Um, Are there some other things that you can recommend for someone to do kind of like today, like this afternoon, they have a tough meeting and they're like, I need need a life raft for this. Um, What would be like some quick, easy ways that they could work with that? So obviously get outside, get some sun and walk. If you have nature with the trees, by all means, get out there and put your feet, bare feet in grass, ground. Those are the simplest things to help you connect. And it does show, research does show that it regulates your nervous system when you're able to ground and walking in nature has the same effect as meditation on our brains. So that's simple. You know, you can go the crazy anatomy route and do dance it out. Like you can blare some music and just move your body, elevate your heart rate as easily as you can without feeling like you got to go lift weights and work out. Um, you can also, if you're in an office, turn off those lights that are above your head or go find a dark room and shut down the stimulation. 
because sometimes we just need little to no stimulation. We're overstimulated in our world, especially, I mean, as much as I love that we're talking through Zoom and we could have done this through Zoom, but this is stimulation and this is a lot of stimulation. So if you can find a dark room, low music and just breathe, like simple breathing, I'm not even talking about doing anything convoluted. Um, Just be there in the moment for a second that can help as well. It's so simple. People are like, that's it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, yes, it is that that's it because we're so fast paced. We forget, oh, we can just take a moment and slow down. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also go into the kitchen, get some ice, put some ice on your wrist, put some ice on your neck and just shock your body back into, oh, I am here. And Last but not least, you can do the five, four, three, two, one technique where you can see five things, hear four things, touch three things, you know, and then you can smell two things, taste one thing. I love that. And I also love when I was looking um, at some of your content, you talked about how research shows that crying activates your parasympathetic nervous system in an Mm -hmm. attempt to get you out of fight and flight. So I also want to add like some people, maybe they need to just have a good cry. And, and, um, I I imagine there's some reverse research around like pushing it down, right? Like, Oh yes. Um, do you have anything to say about that? Cause I know your tears are filled with stress hormones, like oxytocin endorphins. They're trying to get your body back to baseline. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I used to, when I was working, um, in the crisis part of my career, I would go sit in my car at the end of my shift. And then I would just start crying. And I would be like, why the heck am I crying? I don't cry. I'm trained not to cry, right? Because as a therapist, I'm not allowed to show any emotion when I'm hearing some deep, dark stuff, right? So to me, for the longest time, I thought that was a weakness. I was crying. But little do I know, if I can go back into time, I can be like, no, this was your body's way of helping you have longevity, like to help you get through this and sustain. So for anyone that's listening, when you get angry, And all of a sudden you're like, I'm crying, but I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm angry. Know that that's your body trying to regulate itself. And that is a good thing because when we don't cry, it it impacts our physical health and it also impacts our mental health, right? It suppression. Suppression is what causes and dysregulation within our bodies. There's so many great books out there, Outlived by Dr. Peter. Peter Atiyah is one way of understanding how much it affects our physical health. The Myth of Normal is another great book. So these books are telling us that the more we stuff our emotions and the more we don't allow them to come out and express, our body's going to express it for us. And then we're going to burn out and you're going to be flat out on your back wondering what the heck happened. And then when it comes down to most of the time, and talking about in terms of this conversation, mm-hmm. you didn't express what was going on inside. You didn't release the emotional component to it, the emotional charge, and you didn't process the stress that was going on inside your body. Okay. So I also read that you had written about authenticity, which I was really excited about. And also like, I feel like, you know, people hear this as a buzz term left, right, and center, like be authentic, be authentic. But I know that there's actual scientific benefit to being yourself, to being where you're at. 
Um, and you even have written about how your personality can change when you, when you heal your trauma, when you learn to regulate, can you talk a little bit about that? So when we are in a trauma response or a stress response, right? Remember, this is about protection. We're not looking for connection. So that's when we can be snarky. That's when we can um, have short fuses and lose our patience rather quickly. And we can also have negative thoughts. We see things through a negative lens. You can be a negative Nelly, so to speak, right? And then when you learn how to have that flexible nervous system, you heal the trauma, you process it so you get unstuck. What you thought was just part of your personality is now you're like, oh, I'm actually kind kinder. I'm not so snarky anymore, you know? And then there's a grieving process too. I have to acknowledge that, that there's parts of you that you think you're going to lose, but at the same time, there's so many more parts that you're going to gain. And I think the part that you're going to gain that is not talked about enough when you talk about healing from trauma. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it's hard. And it takes you through like 20 rounds of boxing when you're healing. But the part that you're gaining is this joy, this joy in this attitude of, to sound so cliche, gratitude. And so it's important that you know that you can put yourself in environments where you can be authentically you without fear of rejection, because the research from psychologists is showing that matters, that corresponds to our well-being. Mm, I feel like, um, you know, I've done many different things in my career, but it's all had the through line of helping people be themselves. So even as a career coach, it was like, how do I help people figure out, you know, like the message in my book, don't do what you love, do what you are. How do you figure out what you are? Um, so when you think about authenticity and how much somebody's nervous system can maybe take them out of their true selves, or maybe they've never met their true selves because mm -hmm. they've been so dysregulated. Like I know I grew up in a house with a father who is such an amazing man, most dysregulated person I've ever met. Like he, the, his stress takes him like into a new galaxy. Mm -hmm. And I think I didn't realize until later that a lot of his stress influenced a lot of my beliefs, of course, about how I see myself as worthy, if I feel seen or not. And um, I think a lot of people, maybe it takes even longer than age 36 to realize that they're carrying this entire backpack with them into these conversations, into these moments. So um, do you have any exercises, journal prompts, um, or just thoughts for people who maybe want to start opening up to how their upbringings really influenced their trauma responses, the way that they're showing up in today that's keeping them away from themselves? Like any tips around that? So I think it's best if you don't sit down and think, okay, let me just start examining my childhood because you're not yeah. going to get anywhere that way. Mm -hmm. um, so the best way that I found is when life is happening and you found that you got triggered with something or you had this passionate response to something, Go ahead and find somewhere to write. What is the story that I'm telling myself? What are some assumptions that are being made? And how am I feeling in my body? Mm -hmm. Start to become aware because awareness is presence. And when you're able to be present, you're able to start making changes. And you can start saying, oh, I don't think I want to react this way again. I want to try something different next time. 
And Mm -hmm. so, but you have to become aware first and that's 51% of the game here. So if you're triggered, if you have a passionate response, go ahead and say, what is the story that I am telling myself about this? If you're talking in regards to your partner, what is the story that you told yourself as to why your partner was acting that way? And you may not get to the root root right away. It's like an onion. The more you reflect and the more you think about things, the deeper it unravels. I love this. This is so useful. And I feel like um, you kind of hit on something and it's this idea of intellectualizing. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, how do I grow? And they read a lot of books and I feel like they take in a lot of information, but embodiment is so different than content. And so um, how do you recommend people go from, and, and what is going on when they're intellectualizing or um, staying so high up in their head and not down into their heart. Um, I find a lot of people have like a wall inside of them, it feels like, and it's hard to get past it and feel vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm imagining they're probably very dysregulated in there without realizing it. Like, what's your your thought on that? It's a stress response. Intellectualizing is a stress response. And so If you can catch yourself when you start acting like a lawyer who's about to give a brief or you are acting like a PhD student who's about to give a dissertation or you're acting like a therapist who's about to present a clinical case, stop yourself and say, okay, (laughs) this is what I usually say. Take your head off your shoulders, stick it underneath the chair you're sitting on, sit on your head and tell me what you're feeling in your body. Where do you feel it? Do you feel tension? Do you feel your heart racing? Do you feel like your arms are just like stuck in like in a fist mode? Find out where you feel the pit in your stomach. Is it like a baseball? Get to know that part. Get And this is a little bit of IFS work, right? When you get to understand this part of you. Um, so I think the first thing to do is to really understand that anytime you're rationalizing something, and you can't seem to identify what you're thinking or, I mean, what you're feeling, know that this is a stress response. So you better go move your body, go dance it out, go outside and walk, and then say, okay, what are my feelings about this? Happy, mad, sad, glad. Mm. Keep it in the beginning. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, first of all, I think that you know, my heart goes out because I've always grown up being a feeler. So my dysregulation is going to look like so many emotions that I'm feeling a lot of the water element, like emotions. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, the, the intellectualizing, it's like, there's so much in their head. They don't necessarily feel safe to be in their heart. Um, so do you have kind of like, I, I know that in your content, you've talked about like a stress and self regulation cheat sheet. Um, so do you have any like little tiny things people can do if they're sitting at their desk right now? You talked about the five, four, three, two, one, um, anything else that I haven't asked you about? And it's all good if I've, I've asked you to a pulp about it, but I just feel like this is so good for people. No worries. Um, so one thing that I don't think we talked about yet is the physiological side and yeah. that's from Huberman lab, right? And to this date, as of right now of this podcast, from my understanding, it is still the quickest way for us to regulate the nervous system. So doing a physiological sigh, if you are able to, and it doesn't trigger any kind of breathing issues for you, by all means, go ahead, do that. Um, Rubbing your hands together, if we're watching, um, literally just rub your hands together 
over and over. That repetition helps regulate your nervous system as well. Um, if you feel comfortable at work, take your shoes off, just put your feet, bare feet on the floor and just kind of settle into your chair. You can take your right hand, put it over your heart, take your left hand, put it on your stomach. This is a grounding back into you and you can just breathe and remember, I am safe. I am here and I am safe. Because mm. when we get into that stress response, we forget that we're here in this moment. Mm. Mm. And there's no imminent threat. There's no black bear unless there's a black bear. Well, so here's one thing. And, and my final question, I think, is just around like, let's say people are really working on regulating themselves and, you know, they're going to therapy, doing breath work, whatever modality they've chosen. Um, and it's still hard for them to be around people who are dysregulated. Like I imagine, you know, for people who are working so hard to get grounded, the last thing they want to be is around people who aren't grounded. Um, what would be your feedback there? Because I know that that's just a deeper level of healing is like, how can you be with somebody who is in the chaos and not be a part of it? Mm -hmm. um, but just any insight on that, because I think people maybe are doing healing around their parents. And they're, but then every time they see their parents, it's like Ram Das. If you think you're enlightened, go home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, so like, what would what would you recommend that they do in those settings? Give yourself permission to make some strong boundaries. Mm -hmm. Give yourself permission that it's okay to take a pause if you have to. Um, full disclosure: I took a pause from my family, and I did not do holidays with them for a year. And wow. I was, I'm Italian. That's huge in my family. We do Christmas. We do holidays together. And I spent actually a couple of Christmases by myself with just my dog um, because it was the best choice for me because I was trying to learn how to keep integrity. You mm -hmm. know, we talked a little bit about this earlier when we're constantly chronically stressed and then we aren't able to regulate ourselves we lose our integrity and we do things out of default mode versus out of intention. And so give yourself permission, give yourself grace during this period of time. If you can't do what I did, do time blocks, do it so that it's a specific amount of time. So say you and you tell everybody ahead of time and you set expectations. I'll be I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody. I can only stay for a half hour, you know, and then if the guilt comes, you can say, I love you but I need to do this for me right now. And it's going to feel weird and it's going to seem uncomfortable like you're doing something wrong if you're not used to putting boundaries up like this, especially with family. Mm. But I'm also going to say, the more you heal and the more you get used to being in a regulated state, meaning a flexible nervous system so you can feel all the feelings, your relationships might change and that's okay. I think that's the part that we need to understand is our relationships, the way they look change. And then sometimes the people change. Yeah. There's a lot of grief in that. I think for a lot of people, you know, it's like you can work give, to give yourself that life raft to invest in yourself, to rework your nervous system. And when I think about people like myself, like you, like anyone, it's like, we spent so many years in our parents' homeostasis, whatever that was in their ecosystem. And that ecosystem became ours until we had the space to question it, work differently with it. And 
you know, in my case, I spent more years in my parents' house than I have by myself on my own. So I'm still working on it. And I think this show is just really a place that I go to, to reflect with everyone else on it and, you know, not be a guru as much as, you know, just like everyone else trying to do my work. So, um, final question. And I've said that to you a few times, but (laughs) for real, Outside of the basic of where can everybody find you, what is the best advice or best book you've ever read on these things that anybody might want to pick up? And I know you also recommended some other book resources that we will put in the show notes. I don't know if I have the best book. Um, I know I can list some books that influenced me. Please. Anchored by Deb Dana. Um, It's learning how to uh, befriend your nervous system. the Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Yeah. Bessel van der Kolk. I actually ended up taking his seven-month traumatic stress studies course, which is based on that book. Um, so I really got to dive deep into that more extensively. Um, what Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah. Um, I said the myth of normal. Mm-hmm. And honestly... I think those are the biggest books right there that really impacted my thought process. I mean, they're newer too. So um, they're up-to-date information. I think Mm -hmm. that's the key here. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like going through my head. This is the man's search for meaning. Honestly, was another another book for me. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and, and my intellectual friends out there, maybe your work is not doing anything intellectual for your growth. Maybe because you're the intellectualizer, your work is not getting a book, but instead getting a therapist who can facilitate you to go deeper. Um, maybe those of you who do so much talking and co-regulating with friends by venting and processing, maybe your work is to go inward and read a book. So sometimes the work is doing the opposite thing we've been doing to take it deeper. Um, where can everybody start with your work the best? I know you had that cheat sheet on your website. We're going to post that in the show notes. Um, where else would you recommend people go to learn from you? Instagram. Facebook or LinkedIn at the burnout professor. Um, I am getting better at posting more consistently. So feel free to go ahead and check me out. Follow me there. And if you're ever wondering what I'm doing, that will be the best way to find out. It's the most up to date. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me just rapid fire the heck out of you. This was so useful. You're full of information and everyone, I hope that you take this as a little nudge from me and from Erica to just start considering how can you regulate more? How can you be more here on this planet in your body? It's such a hard place to be sometimes, this planet, but it is so worth it to try and find a way to get more present, to experience your life more fully, and not be completely hijacked by all these different chemicals in your body that take you out of the moment. So thank you again, uh, Erica, and I hope you all enjoyed. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. 
I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.